0: I was wondering, could you guys maybe play, like, just, you know, a chorus of another song or just something short before we go back into... Yeah, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Is that cool? You got something? All right. Okay. Okay, you're done. Okay. That was atrocious. You're probably wondering what's going on. I promise you what just happened will make sense. We'll get back to that. So hold that thought, whatever that was, if you're, you're probably scarred for life, but just remember what just happened. We'll come back to it later in the service. Thank you, awesome worship team. Okay, well, as most of you know, we are kind of in the middle of our For the Life of the World video and sermon series. And the video we watched the first part a couple of weeks ago, we saw the main character, Evan. Evan he's wrestling with kind of a few big questions. One of them, he's wrestling with the question of, what does it mean to be in the world, but not of the world? He also took some time to examine three ways that Christians typically respond to our secular culture. We can hide from it, we can fight, we can fight it, or we can blend in with it. And then kind of the overall big question he's wrestling with is, what is the purpose of our salvation? What's actually the purpose of our salvation? And so if you missed the first one or you know someone that's not here today, we have posted all these videos on our website under the sermon section for you to look at. So we're going to go ahead and just jump in to the second part of the first video. So grab some popcorn and a slushie and roll that film.
1: I want to say just one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Oikonomia. Exactly how do you mean? There's a great future in Oikonomia. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Shh. Enough said. That's a deal. It's getting late. I have to go. Okay. So to understand the way of the Lord, maybe we need a fresh set of terms, a new language, a new language, which is really an old language, oikonomia, house management, stewardship, see economy. Economy from the Greek oikonomia. The management of a household, an arrangement, or mode of operation. Okay, okay. So, there's God's plan. Our part in God's plan. God's house. Our house management. God's purpose for the whole kit and caboodle, and... Our work in the nitty-gritty. Okay, okay, so let's call God's big purpose, the plan for his whole household of creation, let's call that oikonomia. And all the specific areas and modes of operation, the ones that he's designed us to work in, you know, like our families, our jobs, our governments and charities, schools, institutions, let's call those our economies, our house management. This is getting too abstract. I need to think of a way to harmonize these ideas. Harmonize. Music. This, this is a ukulele. You can't play this like you play a, a xylophone. A xylophone has its own way of making sound its own unique patterns and techniques, its own mode of operation. Let's call it its own economy. You can't play it like a ukulele. You have to play it like a xylophone. And how a xylophone works might be different than say how like a I don't know a banjo works. Because a banjo has its own economy. Or like a trombone. Or like an upright bass and all of these instruments, they have their own rules, their own economies, and they can make beautiful music by themselves. But what if they're meant to be played together? What if they're meant for something bigger? Something like a song. This is God's plan for all of creation. This is how we see God's activity in the world, and this is what we'll call Oikonomiya. Wait a second. What is the actual song, anyway? His gift. In the beginning, a triune god was tripping and flipping and dancing and spilling all over himself. And he said, let there be light. Gift! Darkness! Gift! Earth! Sky! Animals! It was all pure gift. But in all that goodness, there was nothing in the material world that could reciprocate. There was nothing that could respond to God. And then, enter a gift better than anything else. Crafted in God's own image. With his own breath. With glory and honor, enter us. And in that same abundance, he blessed us and he said, Go, explore my world, unwrap the gift of my creation. Bless the world with your own gifts. But then there was that tree. And a funny thing about that tree, it wasn't a gift. And wouldn't you know, we took it anyway. And there was death and confusion, and it's like we forgot what life was all about. Being gift givers. And in taking what God didn't offer, we severed our relationship with him. And all creation suffered. Then there came that day when God gave us another gift. God himself becomes a man, and the gift he offers to the Father is himself. And all of creation is in tow behind him. Once and for all, he restores the way of our purpose. He restores our priesthood. We can once again offer to God our lives, our work, our knowledge, everything. We join our gifts with Christ to offer the world to the Father in love. And for the life of the world. And that is the purpose of our salvation. That's what it's for. For the life of the world. Hello. Hey, Evan, this is Dwight. Oh, hey, Dwight, you're right on time. Hey, listen, the story behind these Chinese lanterns, it's really beautiful. I made something for you. Take this and enjoy. Thanks, Dwight. Something to think about. What does it take to transform a city? Uh-huh. Think about that, huh? okay? Okay. Okay, hey, get a run. Bye-bye. we will right, we'll see you. Transform a city. A single sky lantern. Rice paper. A bamboo frame, a bit of wax, a wick. All built from stuff of the earth, but made for fire. Made for the heavens. Made in order to be let go. Who are we to be in exile? I mean, how are we to be in exile? Are we to hide? To fight? To blend in? Or can we, even in the everyday things, learn to see our work as a gift to heaven by working for the life of the world, for the good of this city of exile into which we've been sent? For all our work in this world is made of stuff of the earth, our families, our labor our governments and charities, and schools and art forms. All of it takes place here below, but all of it is pointed toward heaven. All of it is, in a sense, holy. Imagine if all of us offered our work for the good of the cities around us. How might we be able to change those cities? What would it look like if we only understood that our humble work is a heavenward offering? What would our city of exile look like then? Hear everybody, the psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Now listen to the words of Jeremiah, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is our economic responsibility in our families, our work, in our communities, in every broken place. Each of these economies is designed to work as a humble part of God's oikonomia, his economy of all things. All of our work is designed to bring flourishing to the world, to be an act of priesthood, an act of blessing and offering. Signs of Jonas. This priesthood was our original calling. It has been restored to us through the gracious blood of Jesus. His song in the world is gift. We are called to play this song in all we do, so go, live in your true nature, with the work of your hands, your everyday work, and the words of your mouth, the very breath that you breathe, bless and sanctify the world, make it a gift, and offer it back to God, for his glory, and for the life of the world, yours, Evan.
0: All right, what a wonderful video. We're going to start off with an activity. So if you, you came in, you should have got a bulletin. Go ahead and take that out and get something to write with real quick. The, the portion of the video we just watched, you probably figured it out, is centered around the idea of stewardship and just better understanding the purpose of the things that we've been given and entrusted with. And the truth is that we've all been entrusted with something. We've all been given responsibility to do something, or to care for something, or to care for someone by God. So, on your bulletin, take just a quick minute and write down just a short list of some of the things that God has entrusted to you. What are some things that he's given to you for you to be a good steward of? Just write a few things down. Okay, let's hear from a few of you guys. What are some things you've been entrusted with to be a good steward of? Anybody can go. Yes, your kids. Yeah, your family. Absolutely. What else? What's that? Yeah, just life in general. Sure. What else? Talents. Yes. That's an endless possibility. A list of what that could be. Yeah, 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 the people around you. Yeah, to bless them, to help them, encourage them. What else? The earth, earth, yeah. To be a good steward of the earth, not pollute it, to restore it. Marriage, yeah. Your spouse, yes. You were asked of God to love her, to love him with all your heart and serve them, yes. One more, maybe. Your time, oh, yes. Be a good steward of your time. We can waste a lot of time on... Stupid stuff, can't we? Good, those are great. We're going to go ahead and just dive into this idea more. So let's go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 30. It should be page 694 if you're using a pew Bible. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned I would have received interest with it back. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ouch. So this master has three servants he entrusted his resources with. The first two servants... One of them was given five bags of gold. The other one was given two bags of gold. It says they immediately put the master's money to work. There was no hesitation to do good with what they had been given. And they knew they had a responsibility to be good stewards of the master's money. And both of them were able to double what they were given, five into ten and two into four. The third servant did just the opposite, took his money, dug a hole in the ground, and buried it. Which, in other words, he did absolutely nothing with the money. There was, he didn't even take a risk. There was no attempt to be a good steward or multiply or do anything with what he had been given. So the master returns home and the first two servants greet him. And they say, hey, you know, you you gave me five, here's 10. You gave me two, here's four. He responds with, well done, good and faithful servants. Come and share your master's happiness. And it's interesting. I actually looked over this the first few times I read it. Notice that his response and reward to those first two are exactly the same. It didn't matter if the five turned it into ten or if the two turned it into four. I just thought that was a beautiful picture of how God's reward isn't really dependent on what we think we bring to the table. Whether we're given a lot or a little bit, we're entrusted just to do something with it. The third servant wasn't greeted with such praise. Comes home, tells his master, hey, I just dug a hole in the ground. Here's your money, you know. I didn't lose any of it. (laughs) Master was furious, called him wicked, lazy, and worthless he took his one bag of gold from him and threw him outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth which is another term for hell and i think jesus used money in this story cuz money is one of the easiest ways for us to wrap our minds around this idea of stewardship and better understanding what we're supposed to do with the things that we've been entrusted with and it gets to the heart of our responsibility with those things and the truth is, we've been given a lot. Consider, we've been blessed with salvation, for those of us that have, been, that have received that. We've been given the gift of time, right? Money, musical talent, athletic talent, creative ability, leadership skills, a family, children, a spouse, a home, money. The list could go on and on and on. And as that video said, our responsibility is to be gift givers, to give those things back to God in a way that brings joy and life to the world and brings healing to others. When we watched the video a couple weeks ago, kind of the overall question that we're going to keep coming back to that Evan's wrestling with is, what is our salvation for? What is our salvation actually for? And this idea of stewardship really kind of slaps in the face this whole kind of selfish perception of my salvation is just for me to go to heaven. For most of my life, really up until the last year, I viewed salvation as, it's just me, I'm, my sins are forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. I got my ticket there, and that's good. I never saw my life in terms of oikonomia. It was all just me, 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 I got my ticket to heaven. If someone else comes with me, cool, but I'm golden. And that term oikonomia, that funny-sounding Greek word, refers to stewardship and house management. You can think of it like this, where someone looks after another's property where someone looks after another's resources. And in the video, Evan called oikonomia God's big purpose, the plan for his whole household of creation, and all the specific areas of operations like our families, jobs, governments, charities, schools, and institutions. Those are our house management. And I think things get blurry for us because we often forget what the purpose of these things are. Or maybe we don't even know. What is actually the purpose of my marriage? What's the purpose of your marriage? What's actually the purpose of your job? Surely it's more than to just pay the bills, right? What's the purpose of your relationships? What's actually the purpose of your money? And last week, I pulled about ten of you aside, and I showed you this random object. And I asked you guys to tell me what you thought it was, and what you thought its purpose was. Here's the object I showed these people, if we can get that up there. Don't see many of these today, and here are some of the responses I got when I asked people to tell me what they thought this was, and what they thought its purpose was. said, I don't know. I have no clue, dude. Maybe a sewing machine? I think it's a spool that makes yarn. I like Phil's answer. I think it's a piece of art. This is a good one. I feel like I know what it is, but I don't. (laughs) Thank you, Jenna, wherever you are. And a couple of you said, it's the thing from Sleeping Beauty. Maybe, I don't know. So what this actually is, is a glass harmonica that um, was created by Benjamin Franklin a long time ago. It's a musical instrument that produces really cool sounds, really cool sounds. You can go on YouTube and uh, listen to it. And I, he's obviously not here today to tell us about it, but I'm sure Benjamin Franklin could tell us all the ins and outs of this instrument. How he made it, his process of creating it, you know, what his purpose was, what his hopes were for this thing. But none of us had a clue as to what this thing was. You can go ahead and take that down. And I think the same is often true of our lives. We kind of don't fully understand what the purpose of these things are. And the thing is, everything that we've been given, we've been asked to be a steward of, and they all have a purpose. And the video says that Christ is the one that restores the way of our purpose. He's the one that gave us life and relationships and family and knowledge to pass those tests, to, you know, to write those papers. He's obviously the best person to turn to for clarity when we don't know what's going on. And here's what we're going to get into Amazing things can happen when we understand that our purpose is greater than our own individual effort. So think about that 10-second musical horrific train wreck that the band gave us that was just terrible. What made that sound so bad, as opposed to the first four songs they played that were much more pleasing to the ear, easy to sing along with? What was the difference between those two different things? Anybody? What's that? Unpractice, winging it, yes. They weren't playing the same song. Everyone was doing their own thing. Excellent. What else? Anybody? Yes, there was no harmony. I don't know how you could play harmony to that. Anything else? What about some musicians here? Everyone was trying to be the loudest. They wanted to steal the glory, sure. Anything, Dave? It's, Dave said it sucked. <laughs> true, yes, very true. Not only did what, what that was, not only did it not serve a purpose, it was just really annoying, right? After hearing that, I get, when I hear bad music, I get aggravated. I'm ready to go in a boxing ring and like throw down, even though I know I could not do anything in a boxing ring. Very annoying. And, you know, back, um, I mean, basically what was going on, what made those first four songs so good is every, every musician understood their part in the song. They each understood their individual part in the song, right? And they created something more beautiful than they could have ever created on their own. They were playing in the same key signature, the same time signature, and there was harmony, and there was unison. Back when I was really getting into playing drums in middle school and high school, I remember my senior year, um, I used to practice alone in my basement all the time. And when I was preparing for my um, college drumline audition, I went out and bought a practice pad. I still got this thing, and I would bring it to school every day. And sometimes in class, in between classes, I'd be beating this thing, working on my college drumline audition. I'd sneak out of study hall. I'd sneak out of classes to practice. Some of you went to school with me, and you remember that thing. And I'm sure you wanted to break it and burn it. And so I apologize for the agony I'm sure I put you through. Twelve years late for that apology. But... I enjoy, don't get me wrong, I enjoy playing drums by myself. It's fun, rocking out and grooving. But I would much rather prefer, it's way more enjoyable to play with a group of musicians. And to play with a band. To play with a bass player who's locking in a groove with me. I'm using a lot of musical terms here. To add a guitarist who's playing chords and lead lines and a piano player. And people who are singing in harmony with beautiful lyrics. To create something way bigger than I could ever do on my own with my own gift. And that's what God asks of each of us. And just think about us, think about us as a church body, I mean, just specifically Wellspring. When when all of us see our talents and our resources and our abilities as our own thing, we're probably not going to create a very beautiful song together. When we're just, you know, trying to be the loudest, when we have our own agenda, when we're doing our own little ministry stuff, we don't really... Seek accountability, we don't ask, we don't invite anybody in that. There's going to be, we might sound a little bit like that chaos there. We're not connected, there's no harmony, there's tension, there's dissonance. It's just not gelling. But what a different feeling it is when a church body or a family understands their part in the big picture. When all of us understand our part in the song that we're supposed to play of creation and humanity to restore the world. The possibilities are endless then. And in the video, Evan said that all is gift. Everything is a gift. Light is a gift. Darkness, sky, the earth, the mountains, the ocean, animals, trees, rivers, valleys, your job, musical ability, knowledge, creativity, money, homes, cars, children. Everything is a gift. We were created to be gift givers. And that's our purpose To give back of everything that we are and everything that we have in a way that brings life to the world. To help heal shattered hearts, restore the broken, to feed the poor, to care for orphans and widows. So how are we doing as stewards of God's resources? How are you doing as stewards of God's resources Everything we have is His. Psalm 24 clearly says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. So it's all His. None of it's our own. Are we using all of our economies, our families, jobs, governments, institutions to bring life to the world? Or are we busy doing our own thing, having our own little thing over here, playing like a solo musician? Think of it this way Are we playing a song together? Are you playing a song with anyone in your life and community? Or are you living like a solo musician who plays alone in his basement, unwilling to share his gifts with the world? I'll close by repeating what Evan said in the video. He says, For all of our work in this world is made of stuff of the earth, our families, our labor, our governments, charities, schools, and art forms. All of it takes place here below, but all of it is pointed toward heaven. All of it, in a sense, is holy. Imagine if all of us offered our work for the good of the cities around us. How might we be able to change those cities? What would it look like if we only understood that our humble work is a heavenward offering? What would our city of exile look like then? This is our economic responsibility in our families, our work, and our communities, in every broken place, each of these economies is designed to work as a humble part of God's oikonomia, his economy of all things. All of our work is designed to bring flourishing to the world. His song in the world is gift, and we are called to play this song in all that we do. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for the countless gifts that you've given given us and entrusted to us, God. Jesus, I pray that we would understand our life in terms of oikonomia, the big picture. God, that we would not be selfish with our gifts or be concerned about our own little efforts and trying to be concerned about building our own empire. God, I pray that we would understand the big picture of what you have and that everything you've given us, every aspect of our lives, is designed to bring flourishing and life to this world. And that can look a million ways um, with different people, God. I pray, help us to have a better understanding of how our marriage, how our relationships, how our jobs, how our talents can bring flourishing to the world. God, we thank you that everything in the earth is yours and that we are just stewards of it. What a huge responsibility that is, and it's so humbling, God. I pray that we would be gift givers and offer back everything that we have and everything we are to glorify you by helping bring restoration and redemption to this world. Jesus, we just uh, thank you for this time. In your name, amen. Go ahead and stand with us. we sing one last song.